Vanquish. <laughs> I forgot what we were talking about. Oh, that's that's the worst. Gross. Yep. Pretty much. Mm. Uh, I guess that's the end of that segment. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Abnormal Mapping the Third. I am your host, Matthew Marco, and with me is co-host Jackson Tyler. I'm here to talk about video games. That's what I'm here to do. Oh, that's unfortunate because this is a movie <laughs> podcast. No! We're at the end of the year, Oscar season is in full swing. <laughs> I haven't seen any of those movies because they haven't released any of them yet. Well, that's too bad. What about The Hobbit? That's an Oscar Hobbit. contender. <laughs> That movie's never going to win an award for anything. (laughs) Which is a bit of a shame, because that soundtrack is still the best thing. So, video games. Oh yeah, okay, I guess I won't talk about The Hobbit then. I'm just going to dangle The Hobbit stick. If you want to talk about the GameCube game The Hobbit... (laughs) Oh, the one with that amazing, amazing cover that just looks like the most plastic. It's the most 2003 video game. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't played it. And Normal Mapping the Third brought to you by The Hobbit. Abnormal Mapping there and back again. <laughs> That's Video uh... games. So Game of the Year is in full swing, Jackson. It, it is. Uh... And we played all of the hot titles, like <laughs> Grand Theft Auto and Bioshock Infinite. I've played a little bit of both of those games. To be fair, you finished Bioshock Infinite. It's true, I did. I did that. Yeah a long time ago that game will not be appearing on any awards or discussion in this podcast nope. for the record i'm just going to be hardline about it nope not going to happen if there's one thing we want to do less than talk about the hobbit it's uh it's talk about bioshock infinite so smog right he's a dragon <laughs> <laughs> yeah smog 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 as so i played say. a lot of video games in 2013 <laughs> did you play a lot of video games in 2013 jackson <laughs> dwarf singing <laughs> I played zero games with dwarves singing. I know it's a bad year, but Dragon Age comes out next year. Maybe we'll get dwarves singing. Hopefully. That's what I'm for. I didn't play as many video games as you in 2013. I had a bit of a lull. A uh, lull? What were you doing? Watching all the Star Trek. You know, that's a good lull. Star Trek video game pinball segue. I mean, I've been live streaming pinball fairly regularly, and I usually open with Next Generation because it's a good uh, crowd pleaser. It's a it good is. table. It's got good theme. You can do missions for Q. It's kind of what you want. It's what you want out of the next generation pinball table. I mean, that's all I wanted in Star Trek is them to be <laughs> it's Q, Q squad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, the they could rename it the Quinterprise. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that, that's, have you turned into me this week? Because this, uh, this is scary. It's the end of the year. We're going to, you know, I'm on vacation. You're on vacation. We're going to undo our collars, let down our ties, because <laughs> yeah. we do this podcast in suits like professionals. 
No, we don't. I'm in bed right now. Just saying. I'm not in bed, but I'm at my computer. and uh... It's because I'm at home and have my laptop. My, I don't have a desk, so I have to leave it on my bed. Okay. It's actually, actually really uncomfortable. Podcast on chairs is my advice. So game of the year. You've got yeah. games that you played this year that you feel strongly about. I do, as do you. And, and I also do. Uh, by the time this goes up, which should be the Friday after Christmas, the 27th of December, uh, my game of the year list is up. The Goaties of the Year 2013 Matt Edition. Yeah, the Goaties of the Year. Is live on abnormalmapping.tumblr.com. Are you gonna mm. are you gonna make the goadies of the year? Are you gonna rate the goadies? I mean like that's years? the logical conclusion of a list called goadies of the year, but instead it's just gonna be video games. Oh, okay. Alright, fair enough. I'm I'm on board for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, mine will probably go up the week after. Yeah, yours will go up uh, Monday, three days from the point at which this goes on the internet. And then and just you know, just to to build up some anticipation for the the definitive list of the best games. Which I will write. I mean, mine's already out, so no. <laughs> mine's okay. Yeah, fair enough. Mine is more definitive. It's probably true. In that it probably has all of your games plus others. It has some of my games. I have a few different games. Oh really? You you liked different games than me? That's this true. This podcast is over. <laughs> That's I know. Unacceptable. I mean, I'm fairly sure we both got Gone Home and Hate Plus on our lists. Yeah. Uh, those are good video games. Uh, I, I got Brothers on mine. There are not ten games better than Brothers for me. Uh, there are for me. Yeah. Brothers probably would be on my list if I had not played more video games. Yeah. That's, <laughs> Which that's... is a really dumb thing to say. No, um, but it's true because I've, I feel like many of these games wouldn't be on my list if I had played more video games. Brothers was on a version of my list and then other games happened. Did Device 6 happen and then destroy No, Device world? 6 was always, always and forever. My list is not ranked, it is alphabetical, but if it was ranked, Device 6 would be near or at the top. I played like five minutes of Device 6. Mm-hmm. That's all right. It's, it's, I don't think that's games for me. It is, it is the best game. It's, the I, I see why you like it so much. I, underst- I understand immediately. Like, yeah, this is... I understand. I get it. You're not even at the part where there's a musical sequence at the end of that game. <laughs> see, I, I now understand more, but even from the beginning, it's pretty... It, it hits the note that you Oh, want. you're like, oh, of course Matt loves this. It's full of <laughs> 60s graphic design and the yep. best music and all the puzzles. <laughs> yep, and it's just this weird narrative experiences you just yeah. scroll through and crazy stuff happens it is great. a literary room escape game of course i like it yeah <laughs> it's designed for you and you alone that's not true lots of people like that game oh sure but it is still designed for you oh yeah for sure it got me it got me to watch the prisoner so i guess that's good oh is that, is that where that came from yeah because uh had my girlfriend play it and she's like oh this is this is just the just prisoner. like the prisoner and i'm like oh really i should maybe watch that and so she bought it for me for christmas yeah and uh that's a that's a good choice again prisoner also made for you well now i know i just was born in the wrong decade <laughs> yeah but there weren't any video games in the 1960s so maybe you weren't what if i could have gone and invented them what then that's not how it works if you were born in the 1960s you would never have heard of you know japanese video games what so about def- British video games like I mean, Hover Bover? <laughs> oh, the ZX Spectrum. Yeah, you know, sensible soccer. Se- oh, sensible world of soccer. <laughs> Swass. 
Would you mm. like to come around and play some swass at my flat? Paradroid. Paradroid. <laughs> these yeah. are these are the British video games. <laughs> it's pretty much. It's, it's pretty much accurate there. Fable. <laughs> Black and white. Peter Molyneux. Yeah, just Peter Molyneux. <laughs> the British video game of Peter it's Molyneux. Kind of the, true at this point. It's uh, upsetting. The the best, the somehow the best, most, and least British video game all at the same time is Burnout Paradise, made in Guildford. You know, that game seems so American to me. Yeah, exactly. And yet it was made in Guildford, but it's a, it's a, of course it's a British video game because it's, it's a, about cars. No. I, I feel like all of the, like, American, quote unquote, video games about cars are actually made in UK. Yeah, it's where the cars come from. Guildford. Yeah. Uh, you just got that Top Gear, right? Oh, I, hate, I hate Top Gear so much. <laughs> I hate Top Gear with a passion matched only by Stuart Lee, uh, whose sketch on Top Gear is pretty amazing. But I, yeah. I hate Top Gear. No, I, I've heard it, and it is accurate. <laughs> it's, so, it's so spot on. It's one of the sad things, watching Top Gear be exported to America, and they don't have any of the context for how bullshit Top Gear is. Yep. No, for us it's just like, oh, these are charming British gentlemen who no! really like cars and goofing around in them. No, they are not that. That is not what they are. Top Gear will not be on our top games in 2013 <laughs> or 2010. I mean, Any like the game. Super Nintendo Top Gear video game, I, I that's a pretty good video game. It's got good music. <laughs> that's true. It, that's the, the but When Top Gear was Top Gear. Just going to drop in Top Gear music right here. <laughs> top, yeah. The Top Gear theme songs were right because it's just a classic song covered. Uh, no, no. Uh, Muse stole the Top Gear theme for one of their songs. Is Muse, how that worked. But, hey, but Muse aren't very. With Muse aren't video games. I don't like Muse either. But then we're just talking about British stuff that the British person just happens to not like. Popular not, British. I think Muse is okay. I only know them in the context of I discovered them through music video games, and I thought their songs were fun to play. That is true. That's fine. Uh. Uh, they're, they're extremely popular band that have like half a good song so okay well you know and, it, and it's the back half of Knights of Cydonia okay you know. so those are the video games of 2013 <laughs> Muse and Top Gear exactly and The Hobbit and <laughs> Muse Top Gear and The Hobbit and Fire Emblem we are not talking about Fire Emblem, Jackson. Oh, this is good. There, a moratorium on Fire Emblem forever. We're never no. speaking of Fire Emblem. You're just doing that to be a dick. So everyone on my Twitter feed has suddenly decided to play Fire Emblem all at once, <laughs> and it makes me want to stop playing Persona 4 Golden, which is what I'm currently trying to beat. And, and start play Fire playing Fire Emblem. It's a bad idea. I need to finish Persona. It's true. We could just make the next month's game uh, Fire Emblem. No, we already have next one's game picked out. And yeah, you listeners we... can find out at the end of this podcast. Dun, 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 dun. No, we've already cut to music. No, we haven't. Uh, <laughs> that's where that Top Gear track's gonna go. Oh! Hate you. Was that was that segment one then? No, we have to talk about segment two and three.
Okay, so you have to actually introduce stuff rather than just yeah. talking about The Hobbit. So, this is a podcast about video games and not bullshit. We just bullshit in the intro. Yeah. So, for uh, segment two, we wanted to... Uh, this is an evolving product. This is a living document. And uh, we just, we realized that segment two so far has just been a mini segment three. So, we're trying to do something different. Uh, we're talking about a specific game uh, this month, which is the Shiva. But we want to do it in a different context. And uh, so we're going to do that. And then segment three is... Uh, Oh, that's right. Vanquish. Sorry. <laughs> I forgot what game you picked. For okay. reasons that we will discover when we get to segment three. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so those are the video games for Abnormal Mapping the Third. Uh, we are going into our segment break. Play some, uh, like, the one song from the Shiva. It's a pretty good song. But there's it is like a good one song. Of them. And uh, it's very Gunpoint-esque. And, uh, yes. And then we're going to be back on the other end talking about the Shiva. So, for our second segment, as we intimated before the break, we are taking a different track. Uh, we're talking about Dave Gilbert's The Shiva, which is from 2006, but recently re-released with uh, new graphics and on Steam and iOS for your uh, gaming on-the-go pleasure. Uh, the Shiva is a game about a rabbi, Rabbi Stone, who runs a dilapidated synagogue in New York City. And when one of his ex uh, parishioners, I don't know, I, I live in a Protestant part of the world, uh, turns up dead, but having bequeathed him $10,000, the police come investigating, and Rabbi Stone decides to find out why that happened, so he can clear his name from being framed for the murder, or suspected of the murder. I guess he's not even really framed. Uh <laughs> And, and that stuff is dropped almost immediately. It's yeah, about no, it's totally a plot device to get him into the investigation. Um, but, I mean, we're not going to... I mean, we probably talk about the game broadly a bit, but what I really want to do is use this as a segue to talk more broadly about... Uh, the thing I really like about the Shiva is its use of a very specific culture and religion to tell its story, and it's a thing I don't think games do enough of, is take a... This is about people who believe in this thing or come from this area and that is what informs all of their decisions uh and i just want to have a discussion of how the shiva does that and other games that might do that uh where that goes wrong uh just to you know free form um mm-hmm. but jackson you you enjoyed the shiva right this is kind of your first traditional adventure game pretty much my first traditional adventure game uh, it's very good. I really liked. I like the fact that it was short for one thing. Oh yeah, that game's like an hour and a half long. <laughs> yeah, I played. I played it. I uh, in like one or two sittings. I played small amounts of it, and I was like, oh, I guess I'll play the rest of it later. And there was like twenty minutes left. I was like, oh okay, that's. Uh, I should have just done this in one sitting. This is shorter than Brothers. <laughs> yeah, but it's and uh, it's uh it's good. It's really really good. I don't know what you would say about it as a game because it's a good adventure game. But all the stuff it actually has going on thematically 
is way way more interesting than the majority of what I had been told adventure games are, which are just do the thing to get some jokes and then the story will end eventually. Well, yeah, I mean, adventure games are usually grouped into the same, like usually grouped together in. These are the comedy games because it used to be the way that those worked. But I mean, you've played The Walking Dead. That's an adventure game. That's not but, funny at all. <laughs> well, it has funny bits, but it is not a comedy game. No. <laughs> and much than The Shiver, also not a comedy game. No, it's a Coen Brothers game. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Shit. Man, it's someone should make just make a serious man the game. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it would, it would kind of look like that, it's but kind yes. Of, it's kind of be this, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, yes, you're right. You're spot on. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, you know, you talk about the Coen Brothers movies as an example and are equally as informed by, you know, Jewish culture and Jewish ideas. And, totally. Uh, but it's not, like, as big of a thing, A, because it's much more ubiquitous, but... Uh, B, because I feel like movies are just generally more informed by the voices of the people who create them. And games are not, really. I feel like games have, like, two monocultures. Either the hoorah shoot stuff, American monoculture, or the Japan teenager saving the world monoculture. And never the twain shall meet. No. Uh, I mean, indie games have been the other that third voice coming up, which are the, the personal games. Sure. But I mean, you They're know, like even those, thing. even those seem more specifically tailored to the voice of the author and not necessarily to like a cultural viewpoint, uh, or exploring oh, sure. the themes of that. Like the one exception I can think of offhand is the Binding of Isaac, which is full of, uh, oh, totally. very specific, like Old Testament Christian mythology and ruminations on what that means. No, but I mean, I mean, you do get a bunch of games that are, uh, very much, personal statements and explorations of things but it just turns out that most games are made it seems like the prevalent culture of people who make games is a very you know atheist type thing so you don't they don't actually get much examinations of culture in the people who are the popular indie game developers are you saying are you saying that indie games are white male and and atheistic is that the shocking revelation that we have it's um I mean, don't be too shocked now. <laughs> don't, don't, you know, don't. Oh, you might want to sit down. Because I, I am sitting. I've already been sitting, so done. I, okay, well, that could blow your mind. I don't know if you knew this, but video games have a, a bias towards white male atheist culture. Turns out. PhilFishGlass.jpg. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That is the the best movie screenshot of all time. <laughs> oh, now you made me sad about everything. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Fez is on sale for like a dollar and a half. I didn't buy it again. I, but on the other hand, the shiver is very good. So let's not be sad and let's be happy about what it does. Yeah. Um. Most specifically, since Rabbi Stone is this character that is, like. I wouldn't say he's like uh, like lost his faith, though he seems to have lost his will to live. Uh, <laughs> um, the, in fact, the the weird thing about that game is that it never is necessarily about him losing his faith, almost to a fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I mean, we're going to speak explicitly about the ending of the Shiva at this Very point. much so. That's what I've been tiptoeing around. But the end of that, like, the whole impetus of the backstory of that character is that, you know, he lost the parishioner who died because he, uh, he refused to marry him in an interfaith wedding. At the end of the game, he is not apologetic about having to have done that. He's like, that's no. what my faith dictates. That's what I believe in. That's, I, I mean, you can disagree and maybe I hurt everyone's feelings, but I believe that this is a right thing to do as dictated by the thing I, like, what I am and what I'm about, which I think is really interesting because it is not a condonable behavior necessarily. No. Uh, Rabbi Stone is not necess- is not a good guy, and the game does not try to paint him as one. <laughs> they most definitely do not. <laughs> no, but uh, I like that it takes this unflinching. This is this is just the way that my worldview is. Like I, I'm not going to marry people who aren't Jewish with Jewish people. I don't believe in it, mm-hmm. which is like pretty not like that's not okay in 2013. No one, or even in 2006, no one's going to look at that and say, well, okay, that's reasonable. <laughs> Like, that's a hardline stance. It's but the game handles it in in such a balanced way that you can tell that the reason he is doing it is not out of you know hatred of other culture, but he's it's more of a it's a defense mechanism that ties into the fact that he's unsure of his own faith. Um, because the whole game is essentially about him struggling to find essentially the meaning of life in a very abstract way of the reason to carry on, right? Sure. That, that to me, that's what that game was. Yeah. And all of and all that things tied into. He has this way of life, and he is so rid holding on tightly to it that it is just breaking down. Um, essentially, it was holding on too tightly to something that he thought he wanted that he wants is what causes you know the events of the game to unfold later, and the fact that he doesn't apologize to with it is super smart in that it's like no this is this guy's character this is who he is but i mean like at the end of the game he doesn't let go of that like he's still he doesn't but he accepts i don't know he accepts it like like the ending of that game is very specifically a monologue a, a extremely just like this is the meaning of this game i am going to read it to you which i think is important because you can also uh, you don't think this, but you can complete that game without realizing you've lost that game. There are in, ways. In what way? If if you do what I did and you just lose that final fight over and over and over and over again, uh, there's a way it ends with him. Because usually it says, "I wonder what would happen if you try again." But then the final one, it'll be like, "I, I always wonder what could happen if I try it again." But I guess I'll never get to know. And I thought, okay, that's the end of the game. The, the point was that he couldn't beat this. But that wasn't the point. The point was that... Like, I mean, through gameplay, through having failure states, it becomes a struggle to get to the meaning of the game, which I thought was him reflecting, you know, the fact that it would have been very easy for Rabbi Stone to not reach this point at the end where he feels content. I just I don't understand what failure state... Like, because if you fail the fight at the end, you die. Like Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I took that as an ending, as an alternate ending. Oh, okay. Because, I a, mean, there's en- there are actual endings where, like, if uh, if uh, Mrs. Louder gets killed, like, you go to jail. Like, you can still, like, beat oh, Rabbi right. Zelig and then still go to prison. Hang on. 
Oh, jeez. Oh, man. You can you can survive and... Okay, that's odd. I mean, I guess that makes sense. What do you what mean? Happens... When she goes to prison, what happens... When you go to prison, what happens... That just... Well, so, like, if you don't save the guy at the train station... Yeah. And you, you kill him, then he doesn't show up in the apartment... And yeah. so he, you ha- like, you have to get him to, like, he shoots her no matter what, because yeah. the other guy doesn't barge in and take the bullet. Yep. And so then you don't have her around, so when you kill, or when you don't kill Rabbi Zelig, and you come out and you turn him into the police, Rabbi Zelig's just like, no, he did it, he shot her, and it's your word against Rabbi Zelig, and he is a respected member of the community, and you are not. Yep. So you go to jail. Oh. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's, oh. Okay. Wow. That's pretty great. Yeah. No. I mean, I I like I think the real end of that game is maybe the best because it's still super dark, I feel. Oh, totally. It's <laughs> like there's... he saves the day, he rescues the girl, quote unquote, and gets the money, but nothing changes for him. No. Like she mostly just feels sorry for him. <laughs> All that changes for him is that he just keeps doing shit. Yeah. Now, Which he I... learns he learns nothing. He just gets to keep running for a while. He he learns. Even if he got the, uh, I feel like the way that game starts. If he got the money from, uh, you know, from from Jack, and uh, like, and didn't go on that quest and everything, dude would not be giving that sermon again. Oh, oh, you know, you're probably right. I think that that makes sense. So the the victory. That's why I, that's why I got what I got in the. You get through that game, and the reward is you get to understand, or at least have... Because I feel like it is a crisis of faith in that game, but not in terms of his religion. He knows he's religious, he knows he's Jewish, but it's just a faith in... More in himself, just like, do I want to go... It's the will to live thing, you know, what you said. Dude is just confused, doesn't trust anything, is kind of angry at God. Like, all his questions to God uh, are about why would he do this not does god exist mm-hmm. it's under it's the understanding why and having purpose which is a way more interesting and you're, you're saying the path of what he does in the game and what it enables him to do like tells him that what he's doing has purpose and meaning yeah and so he just keeps on keeping on well, well the, the monologue is we have no fucking clue the monologue is essentially him going we don't know uh what what what's going on here or anywhere else but there is a connection between people and to deny that is a is a bad thing so you got to keep on going is essentially that's essentially his model his sermon at the end of the game right sure which is, is very different from the sermons he was giving but you get all those emails about everyone going man this guy is depressed he is bringing us down i do not need this i am out i wouldn't call the rabbi stone at the end of that game a happy man though no but he is I, I i agree but he has a focus to her what he's doing that is very much not there in that first sermon but yeah okay that's fair yeah i again the whole point was this is a discussion about the uh faith ramifications of this video game because i thought that was really interesting yes uh, and then just the rabbinical gameplay mechanics were also really good the fact that the final fight is the the whole thing about the questions yep is so good yeah so good yeah set up really early and the game gives you 
like every dialogue tree gives you a rabbinical response. Either always... either just called rabbinical response or an actual question you can ask. Yeah. Did you always choose a question or not? I'm, I tried. You you can't at a certain point because if you do it to Mrs. Louder, you fail the game. Yeah, I uh, I think I, I often did questions. I wasn't very questioning. Turns out I was a bad rabbi. Uh, no, because uh, generally I just leaned into that. And in fact, there's an achievement for getting them all. <laughs> what? Forgetting what? One of one of the achievements is you picked rabbinical responses in every instance you could that wasn't a fail state. <laughs> Okay, that's a that's a great that's yep. a great achievement. Yep. Uh, the achievements are all really good because they're all Yiddish words from that Yiddish dictionary that you get, and they yes. don't really tell you what they are except for the Yiddish word. So you find the meaning of the Yiddish word, and then that kind of signifies what the achievement is. I, I did find it weird that dude had a Yiddish definition book on his person. Well, you know, the Vid- for for words. the player for the player yeah. that is a out-of-universe Yiddish Dictionary book. Okay. Well, because like, Surely Dude would know this. Surely Dude knows... Well, also, everyone's passwords in that game are... No one knows how to make a password. No. I mean, if you play the, the guy... other Dave Gilbert games, I feel like every one of those games has one password uh, deciphering puzzle in it, and they're always like that. Oh, that, but I, I feel like that's got to be an in-joke now, because... Yeah, no, it's... it's I, he said in the commentary, he's like, this is my favorite type of puzzle, because you, you have to pay attention to what they tell you about the characters to figure out the answer to the puzzle. Yeah. It's not a weird arbitrary thing, it's just pay attention to your information. Yeah. But, but then you put it together, you're like, okay, so you're in charming uh, uh, fashion industries, and your password is Sharma. It's yeah. almost the same word right there. Yeah, yeah. And then Zelig's password is his dog's name. Oh, it's so good. Yep. Uh, I I uh, what was it? I like the fact that his username is Rabbi Z, yep. rather than R Zelig. Yeah, he's uh, he doesn't get that. He's uh, too popular. Yep. Rabbi he Z. Is, he is the rabbi. I mean, you saw his synagogue on the map. It takes up like half of Manhattan. <laughs> I yeah, I don't think that was a realistic portrait of the size of the places you're going to. No, but what if it was? What if it was that is the biggest synagogue, <laughs> almost as big as his apartment, which <laughs> is basically Manhattan Island. Yep, his apartment is just Central Park. <laughs> yep. All the Wajidai, all the Dave Gilbert games, great New York locations, because uh, especially in like the Blackwell games, he uses real locations as part of the game universe. That sounds super cool. Yep. So, the thing I wanted to uh, yeah. open the floor to is, do you know any other games that you would say use these kind of themes well? Not many. I mean, th- like, the biggest one that comes to mind, because I read that giant article on it, which goes into some depth, is Azura's Wrath, which is a very different kind of game. No. Yeah, sure, but Azura's Wrath is... This weird, uh, I I don't know. I would probably call it Zen Buddhist treatise on you know state of nature because the whole point of that game is you know anger is what it is and is sometimes useful. <laughs> yeah, and and there's like you I linked you that like four part article. I can't remember. Who, I should probably. We should put I don't it think I don't think you linked that to me. I don't remember reading this. I lent this to you years ago, or months ago, but hang on. Did I play that game in 2013? I think I did. That's a good game. 
I think I played it in 2013 as well. No, I must have got it out of the way. Oscar's Wrath. Uh, Abnormal Mappings 2011 game of 2013. Oh, Azura's Wrath is so good. Thanks. Yeah, you're, no, you're absolutely right. Azura's Wrath is definitely a game that leans into its mythology since you fight Buddha in that game. You, t- as, you totally do. As the final boss. And, and I think it speaks to the way that, you know, games culture is in America that they just said, oh, I guess it was just some religious imagery thrown in there to, well, amongst the, the craziness. The, the thing is, like, you know, okay, so I was thinking back of where this started with, and I'm really going to blame D&D, because D&D did, you know, there's, like, mythological creatures in it, right, from yeah. all over the place, just picked up from everywhere. Well, then, the early D&D with video games, like, Wizardry are just based on D&D, which were really big in Japan. Like, Wizardry was huge there. And so they took all that stuff, and then, like, Final Fantasy uses that. There's just mystical creatures. Like, all the RPGs use all the mystical creatures. But at some point, yeah. Japan said, no, mystical creatures are not enough. Let's just use the gods of all of these cultures instead. So now you have Shin Megami now, Tensei, where you're carrying around Lucifer and Thor in your back pocket. Now every JRPG ends with you fighting God. Yeah, but there are these... They're always they come from this weird amalgamation where none of it is really taken that seriously because all of it is treated as just myth like across the board whether yeah. it's Buddhist or Hindu or Christian or Jewish or anything, uh, which is you know tangentially related to our point because I think that's its own like that only happens in an agnostic or you know atheistic culture where that stuff is not treated with weight like mm-hmm. no one devout is going to make a game like that no. I mean, they might not be offended by it. I know plenty of people who are Christian and are not offended by those kind of portrayals. But they would probably not choose to make that. But Oscar's Wrath is definitely a Buddhist game. No, I, I, you've got the link in your thing there. Yeah. And it's a, it breaks it down. And as someone who was pretty ignorant about that, you know, a while ago, and you read that and you, know, you realize, oh, they, they know what they're doing and they have something to say. Yep. Which is... I, I like my crazy games to be both crazy and have something to say. You can have room for both. Oh, man. The Thousand Arm Cannon. cannon. That's so good. When you fight that thing, yep. all the arms. <laughs> and then you get the sword through the moon. Yep. You should play Azura's Wrath, people. That's what I'm saying. Tangentially, um, I played Killer's Dead recently, which we'll never talk about because that game's terrible. But there is also a sword duel on the moon set to that same uh, music. The same, the same, the same music. Jesus. Yes, but um, in looking it up, and I, I feel like I knew this in some dim part of my mind. Uh, that music is the one music that Neil Armstrong took with him to the moon, which is oh. why, probably why it features in both those scenes. Okay, that makes sense. Which I think is great, though. Like, I love that that is the moon music. Neil Armstrong made the right choice. (laughs) Imagine if he took some, like, shitty 60s pop song. Yep. No, if you watch uh, Talking About Movies again in our video game podcast, uh, For All Mankind is a documentary about the Apollo missions, and they talk briefly about how each astronaut could bring, like, one cassette tape to listen to music on. And, yeah, there's a lot of bad country music that goes up into space. Oh, that's so good! But Neil Armstrong's like, no. Classical, uh, overture, nonsense on the moon. Oh, bad country music was the official moon music forever. 
That'd be crazy. Just land on the, just having a fight on the moon to set to Johnny Cash. Symphony number nine in E minor by, uh, oh, I can't remember that guy's name. Dvorak. That's what it is. And it's good meme music. Yep. Yeah, it's great. But I heard that and I'm like, this is from Osher's Wrath. Why is this being taken from Osher's Wrath? I'm actually pretty sure that it also appears in Evangelion, but I'm not positive about that. <laughs> oh, shit. I should watch Evangelion at some point. Yeah, that's the thing you should do. So, Osser's Wrath is uh, your choice, and uh, yeah, I would go back to Binding of Isaac, and I'll probably also link uh, the one review of Binding of Isaac that talks about how the structure of roguelikes uh, mirrors that of the Old Testament portrayals of God, which I think is really smart in that it is about a God that sets in motion a punitive universe, and then like humans are at the at the whims of that of the mechanics of that universe they can't really hope to understand so they just appear random to us mm-hmm. but it's all about like these things are placed here to help you but only some of the time and you have to reconcile free will with determinism and binding of isaac's a great game that is also a game everyone should play agreed and uh that review is pretty good did, did really only one review talk about how it's uh talk about binding of isaac's religious themes because it's called the binding of isaac no no no. i mean there's a lot of that but i feel like i feel like you know the mainstream folks were not as into it because ign is not going to talk about the religious themes of a video game you can't spell religion without ign what oh (laughs) what what i do Octopus are not technically animals. IGN.com. <laughs> we don't mean to pick on IGN. Yes, we do. But no one else would do that either. So, um, I would also put out Hate Plus, which is going to appear on both of our Game of the Year lists. Totally. As a game, even more so than Analog, which is, uh, I feel, much more uh, generalized. Hate Plus is definitely about examining how someone who believes specifically in a certain faith and worldview can come to a certain decision that is monstrous in every single way (laughs) but also how you can see like why they made that choice because the alternative also seems super untenable yeah the the hate plus is really good at getting into the way our cultures inform our decision making and how and, and how that can just be applied to just crazy decisions which seem outlandish and gives you an A to B examination of how things happen, be they bad or good, just literally how things happen, which I think is yeah. the the motivations of the villain in quotes of that game are the saddest possible really, thing. Oh, they really are, man. <laughs> yeah, Hate Plus is a good video game. Get another recommended thing. While this will go up while the Steam sale is on, you can get Analog and Hate Plus for I think half off. Go uh, play some good video games. Yeah, play them both. Yeah. Uh, play analog. Do do what you'll probably do with analog is you'll play it in one sitting because you won't be able to stop. And then Hate Plus is like, okay, let's take some time off. Yeah. Hate yeah. Plus will make you take some time and think about what you've done. <sighs> so smart. Yeah. So, uh, do you have anything else, or is that about it? I mean, the the <laughs> fact that we t- are taking so much time to think of them. And we've thought of three. I, I know there's more out there. There are but more. There are there so are... few 
relative to the breadth of games. And they're often, you know, JRPGs or Japanese games that do Azura's Wrath type things with, so as you explained, like actually examinations of religious culture and how that works are so rare. Oh yeah, I mean we games. could we could call like we could bring up Castlevania and be like, oh, it's a Christian game because you can throw a cross like a boomerang, but that's not what we're talking about. Yeah. I, I, you know, and the only other... No, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to... What were you going to say? I was going to say that... The, I was going to... To make a point of how pointless it would be to go down this route, I was going to say, the only other game that people are talking about on the internet about uh, that is kind of about religion is Bioshock Infinite. And that's... Not, no, we're not talking about that. Yeah, you're right. We're not going to yeah. talk about Bioshock Infinite. We're really not. And if, if that's the one that people are going for, then, you know, we need we need more of these games. Yes. We need oh, more games. Christ, like please, game. someone, do something. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully that is... I mean, people saying stuff about oh, Citizen Kane, video gaming, gaming being young and all that nonsense. This That side of it is hopefully game being young, and as it gets bigger, I mean, we'll have... you know, the Citizen Kane of video games, Metroid Prime, is a fully atheistic video game. So. <laughs> The Citizen Kane of uh, examinations of culture within video games. I wouldn't even... In fact, I would actually... I would be okay seeing an atheist video game. They are, they are t- like, not even in doing that because they are too afraid to do stuff like that to take would stands you, about like define, that. Define an atheist video game. Well, because, like, atheism is a belief system. Like, that is a strained, like, disbelief in the existence of any sort of being or whatever... Most video games are just agnostic and not in the firm, like, let's examine all points of view kind of way, but in the, we're not actually going to talk about this because it's not germane to our discussion and religion isn't important enough to inform culture. Like, they just don't even touch it. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think the absence of religious material is atheistic by default. I think atheism is its own, like, it's, it's, it's clearly its own belief system and is like taking that stand in your video game or in your piece of art is as much a stand as taking like a Christian one or a Buddhist one. Yeah, that's true. I would agree. Most, most video games are just, you know, video games and they don't barely bring it up unless it's a reference to, you know, we're going to make a reference to saying a prayer now because uh, we're about to go fight this world war two battle. And this was a call of duty game in our, uh, in our game we're playing next month, there is a prayer sequence that is pretty good. Is it good? Yeah, it's pretty good. There's right. a choir that comes out of nowhere. I, I, when you said prayer sequence, I, my immediate thought was, right, is there a choir? Yeah, no, no, there's a choir. It's a quiet <laughs> okay. moment. Uh, spoilers about what we're going to play next month. Link takes off his hat, and there's a what quiet the moment. F- what the actual... No! <laughs> I'm out. What? You can't just you can't just do that. It's it's a weird thing to include, especially in a Nintendo game. You can't just t- you can't just take off his hat. Well, he can just take off his hat. It's just a hat. Yeah, but it's just a hat. Come For on. the beginning of Wind, uh, both Wind Waker and uh, Skyward Sword, he doesn't even have a hat. Do you have to acquire the hat and then he puts the hat on? And I mean, you acquire the outfit at some point, like a couple, oh. like an hour or two into either of those games. Oh, he's in those pajamas. Yeah, and then yeah. in Skyward Sword, he's in his weird, like not Japanese but close enough, like weird strapped-on kimono outfit thing. 
Can you not just play through the entire game in that? Um, if you beat Wind Waker, you get the pajamas for New Game Plus. Okay, that's pretty great. Yeah. The pajamas are cool. They are the most stylish pair of pajamas in video games. It's it's a long list, so... Yeah, we're playing Zelda next month, and we're just putting this off because we don't want to actually go into Segment 3. But cue the oh, Segment 3 music! Don't do this to me! Segment three is the Game Club again. This month we're going to be talking about Vanquish, which uh, that was my choice, so I have to intro this, which is a, is a great choice I made getting everyone to play Vanquish. We're very excited to play because it's a, the platinum game, third-person shooter. We're both big fans of Bayonetta, and uh, I'd heard good things. Uh, it's a, you know The premise is just there's a crazy satellite in the sky and you are uh, well, you work for DARPA and have ridiculous rocket legs and have to go and shoot a bunch of robots, which, you know, I am on board, but the game, it didn't turn out like that. So, what, Matt, what, what did you, Matt, what did you think of Vanquish? So, remember when I started playing Vanquish when I was on the phone with you in, like, mid-November? <laughs> oh, yes. And I was going through the tutorial, which is ridiculous and terrible, but in a fun way, where it's like, now look left, now look right, now look up, now look left. And uh, you were like, obviously the game's going to get better than this. <laughs> and I'm like, well, maybe. I don't know. This is kind of fun in its own dumb, terrible way. And looking back on it, that tutorial is probably the best part of Vanquish. I mean, you're right, but also I hate that tutorial. I don't I don't hate that. I think that tutorial's funny. It's, 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 it's funny for, like, the first three. And then there's, like, oh, there's about nine of these tutorials to get through. When do we get to the game? And then that also accurately sim- simulates the experience of playing the game. So Vanquish is the best idea for a video game. Trapped it, in the worst video game. It is the most video gamey idea to ever exist. Is a guy with rocket legs yeah, fights a paper, bunch of robots. Yeah, on paper you have Solid Snake in like a crazy robot suit. With He's just smoking constantly. He's in space on like a, a halo, basically. What, and what is a, bi- a businessman came into the room. He walked into the room. He sat down. There were four meetings around. He walked. In, he put up a big poster. He said he uh, clapped his hand. There was an awkward pause, and then he went, "What if Solid Snake was the Metal Gear?" And then Vanquish happened. Yeah, but then they 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 put it on a halo, which is fine. So you can see like yeah. the city wrapping up into the sky, which is cool. And they give you rocket legs. But then that same businessman came in after they were done prototyping the story <laughs> and were like, look, you guys, one more thing. This game is also Gears of War. And the whole thing exploded just instantly. Yep, it because all fell apart. you have a character that is based around moving really fast and sliding around stuff and being agile and in a really cool way. But then you put him in a game where... You slowly trudge forward with your squad of like guys and hide behind cover and then shoot guys. 
and then you repeat that over and over until the game ends. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much accurate. Lots of hiding behind cover, lots of shooting guys, and lots of your t- uh, your allies just yelling at each other. So I played Vanquish easy, and I, I know you didn't. So my experience with Vanquish was, early on, I'm like, this shotgun is cool, let's just use this. And then, because it's on easy, I'm not actually in danger of dying most of the time. So I mostly ignored cover and ran around in shotgun guys. The game tells you how long you're in cover. And at the end of the game, my stat was in cover for about 2.6% of the entirety (laughs) of Vanquish was spent hiding behind something. Which was normally just when I was about to die, I'd get into cover briefly until I stopped being almost dead. Yeah. I think I was in cover a bunch more than that because that game gets harder on the hard... It's actually not that hard during most of the um, robot-to-robot encounters. But it's just everyone's health becomes ridiculously large. They become bullet sponges, and bosses just take you out. I died on a bunch of boss fights over and over and over again for reasons that were, you know... Boss fights are, are the least interesting part of most... Uh, hack and slash games but when you put them in a third person shooter they are even less interesting i would disagree about that for hack and slash games but that's neither here nor there the bosses in vanquish are pretty bad yeah especially when their options for like doing more bosses is to recycle them but give you two bosses oh no why would you do that like when you fight the spider and the mech at the same time. Yeah, no, I, I remember. It was that was the that was the worst bit of the game. Or here is the unknown for the third time, but now it's in this weird tight zero G space. Oh, I the all the second fights with the unknown, all the other fights with the unknown were fine for me. I had a rocket launcher on me. I was prepared. Hmm. I just kept a rocket launcher on me. I was like, I know this thing's gonna come back. But that first unknown fight was the worst. Because it has that one hit kill. Yep. No. Yeah. And there's not much you can do against it. And you're just shooting at it with rounds upon rounds upon rounds of um, rifle ammo. Like it, I shot my entire thousand rounds of rifle ammo at it, and it didn't. It was still still going. Yeah. So. So we don't like Vanquish, and we're probably not going to talk that much about it because there's really there's not a lot to it. That's the biggest problem. It's that it has an interesting mechanical idea, and it is designed to force you into cover. Like the the way you, the, the way the challenges in that game is essentially who can, because it makes the enemies bullet sponges. It's not about how many enemies there are. It's not about crowd control. It is about who can take the most damage whilst resisting the most damage, which is basic. It just, it, it just um, forces you into cover and it, it encourages you to spend as much time not getting shot as possible rather than what they did with Bayonetta, which is what I was expecting, which is try to be as stylish as possible whilst killing all these dudes. Yeah, the uh, because I was not in cover in that game and mostly just running around like a fool, my game time was about three and a half hours by the time I was done, which is wow. crazy short and is the... Man, that game. So, the rocket legs are cool. Like, just it's a great mechanic, it feels good, you move fast... And the game never gives you an actually good reason to use them for anything. Nope. Like, the levels aren't laid out particularly well to, like, use them in most places. Combat doesn't give you, like, 
it's not useful to use them to get like close the gap on enemies because then you run out of all of your charge on your heat thing and then you just get slaughtered if you run into a bunch of enemies. No, the, the main use for the rocket legs is to get into cover when your shield goes down. Yeah, which and is which is terrible because it's a great empowerment move. You shouldn't be using it to run away. No! It feels good. But then they also did the your melee attack like uses up all that charge also. So you can't just like rocket sled into enemies and then melee them, which would be a much better game. Where you're just like rushing into dudes like a bowling ball. Because that, that game was at its best... In the rare set, because one of the problems of it is the way it does checkpoints is the checkpoints are so often gated. Yeah. And you just have to wait. But in the rare occasions where there's like three or four checkpoints where they're not gated, you can just go and ignore all the enemies. Yeah. And, and, and that becomes actually kind of fun, trying to dodge all the shooting while you're trying to get to a place. Yep. And balance, okay, I'm behind this wall whilst moving forward, and then I sprint to the next wall, and, and, and there's actually... If that game, you didn't have a gun and it was just about running through everyone, it'd be a much better game. Yeah, or if they just made more out of the gunplay and your, the fact that your character is super mobile. Because yeah. in all the the uh, quick time events of the boss battles and the cutscenes, your character is like spinning around the battlefield and pirouetting around missiles and just being the best. And none of that actually happens in the game. Like, all the cool stuff is relegated to cutscenes, and even those are few and far between. Because in most of the game, you're just lugging around a bunch of normal soldiers, and it's the worst. I I mean, you don't need the normal soldiers for anything. You can just let them die. No, but often the game will not let you advance until all of the enemies oh. are dead, so the soldiers will come with you. Yes, no, that is... Yeah, that's true. Because the sections that you point out that aren't gated are instances where you do where you don't have to wait for the other guys. Like that's what's gating the game. Yeah. Because it's like let's all stand on this elevator and then the, you have to push the button oh, to make it go. The elevator bit was the worst bit because you get into the door and it's meant to be this whole dramatic quick close the door before they get us thing, and then you're in the door waiting for almost a full minute for everyone else to get to the door. So any dramatic tension from that sequence is all gone. Yeah. But no, if you could, if the areas were not corridors, so you were funneled down an area, if they were as much more like go in circular, air, like big giant arenas where you could move fast, and if there was a more emphasis on melee and like flanking enemies, I feel like it could be a good game. I think there's the ideas of a good game there, but instead they made a cover shooter. Yeah. That, that's, that's pretty much what it is. The design... Because there's bits of it, it's like, oh, this is like, yeah, I see platinum in parts of this. But then I it's see like, platinum let's, in make, the fact... let, let's make a game where you shoot guys. I see platinum in the fact that it's a game about a guy with rocket legs. Sure, but like, just, like, just the way that the, the movement works in those areas, and I think the punch looks really cool and is really satisfying. I wish you could do it more than once every 30 seconds. Yep. And so instead it just forces you to get in a place where you are not getting shot so you can shoot. And that's not satisfying, especially as you said, like you get a gun with, by the end of that game, I think it had like 1600 rounds and you just go through all of them. You do. There's just the bullet sponges are everywhere and it's not fun. It's not fun to, because sh- when they start getting into giant, much like DMC, when they get into the huge lumbering enemies that already have small weak points, it just, it becomes extremely uninteresting. Like they, they, the way they make the difficulty 
in that game is so it's so backwards to what could or is fun about that game because yeah. at the start it's just okay you have to stay in cover to avoid a bunch of guys but at least there's some crowd control and it's a bit about okay I get that guy and I can pop over there and get that guy but then they introduce these bigger enemies and it just purely becomes about hiding from their giant blast as you as you shoot them on their weak spot and it just becomes less and less interesting as it progresses uh, in order to add difficulty yeah and it's not like there's like new mechanics that are unlocked because you get all the guns by like the third chapter, and you just hope you just pick which three you want to carry with you. Yeah, you, and three are the shotgun, the assault rifle, and the other one. It's just it's really just the shotgun and the assault rifle. Yeah, mine was shotgun, assault rifle, and the armor piercing pistol. There was a pistol in that game. Yeah, it, okay. it like the enemies that like. Uh, the ones that create the wall, like the little robot guys that create the walls. Oh, yes! And yes. Uh, the guys on the uh, the turret guns, you could just shoot through those turret guns and hit them. Yes, no, I remember the pistol. The yeah. armor-piercing pist- pistol does more damage than the shotgun does. It's ridiculous. But there's uh, only, like, 12 bullets. That seems... So it's the kind of thing you nurse. Like, I was fine with the shotgun and the assault rifle, so I just nursed the, pierce- the pistol until it was necessary. Oh, I just Jeez. fully upgraded. I fully upgraded my assault rifle. Uh, I mostly ran shotgun because I was getting real close because I wasn't using cover. But yes, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. No, there's a lot of game. There's a lot of weapons. But yeah, the game really because the way that works is yeah, if you pick up another of the same type of gun but have full ammo, uh, it will give you an upgrade to that gun instead of ammo. Mm-hmm. And so you, you're it encourages you to a pick three weapons and stick with them, but b only use one at a time. So you're not burning through ammo on the others, so you can upgrade them, which is a really bad way to handle gun diversity. It it really is. I I don't understand the upgrade system in that game because one, it kept breaking. So there were so many times where it was extremely inconsistent. Uh, by when I reload, will I still have the upgrades that I had? Really? Uh, my up- yeah, my upgrades kept reverting. Things kept changing around. I never did that. Sometimes when I died, they changed. Sometimes they didn't change. Sometimes they got better. It was so inconsistent. There were bugs everywhere on that thing. Could... You were, what system were you playing on? 360. Okay. Yeah, I was playing PS3. I don't know if that's a version difference. I, I, but I couldn't tell if it was deliberate and there was a logic to what was happening. Oh, because I never noticed that happening, so... I noticed it. Like, I had to fully upgrade my assault rifle many times. Hmm. Weird. And I, I couldn't tell if, wait, is it when you die you lose stuff and then I died? No, yeah, that's the thing, like, I died, like, twice in that entire game, so. And you only played it in, like, three settings. Just yeah. Settings. Yeah, no, I, I reloaded more times. Yeah, that game is, uh, the final boss of that game is the first boss in that game, but twice. Like, that's the worst. Yeah. It just flies around, flies around, you shoot him. And you hide behind the cover and then everything explodes. Because the first time you run into that guy at the very beginning of the game, you're like, oh, it's another guy in a robot suit, but this one can fly. So that's cool. So this is going to be like a Metal Gear where every boss is like a a cool one-on-one battle with someone who has a crazy one-off ability. But no. No, nope, that's not what this game is. I wish that's what this was. Game, that game was. It would be way cooler. Yeah. If it was a robot suit fighting game. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. And then also, the, the, we should probably talk about the story at some point. What what story? There's a yeah, story. Good, yeah, it's a good it's a good uh, good reaction there because uh, whoo whoo. Yeah. So, the problem with describing the story on paper though is that it sounds amazing. 
<laughs> if, I could, if I was to read out what happens, you'd be like, this is the greatest game ever made, so, sign me up. So, yeah, the game opens with, oh, you need to go to the Halo, which is US controlled, because crazy space Russians are have caused the robots to attack. But then, like, and then nothing, no story beats happen until the very end of the game after that. Like, nothing none. Nothing happens. It's just, oh, the, the, we have to get to this thing. Yeah. Okay, now we have to... The one story beat is, uh, that guy dies. It doesn't die, but the guy crashes, and you're like, well, let's set a timer until he comes back to life. About 20 minutes later, he's back. Your so, evil but guy. then, like, right at the end, it goes into full Metal Gear mode, where actually the U.S. president convinced the Russians to attack so that she could retaliate with military force because using military force to start a war is good for the economy and it'd pull the U.S. out of a recession. But then the Russians didn't like being manipulated, so they took it too far and are going to actually blow up the giant halo, which is actually like the 51st state or something. And then the president shoots herself and the blood splatters on an American flag. And... All of that story information is carried out in two cutscenes. Yeah, right at the end, it's about five minutes. <laughs> Which is ridiculous, because th- that's a game right there. Yeah, no, it's a it's a much cooler game. It's a Metal Gear game. Yeah, in actuality, there should be another, like, two hours where you go down to Earth, and then you have to fight through the Pentagon and the White House, and then you fight the president, who is also in a mech suit. Like, that's where that's supposed to end, right? Should be. I mean, another two hours of Vanquish doesn't... No, 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 no. yeah, if that. it was a better game, there'd be another two hours. Yeah. It's, it's like it's like in Bayonetta, where it's like, oh, we have to get to the giant skyscraper, and then you get to the giant skyscraper, and then you realize that there's a whole other section of the game, but it's in space. <laughs> yeah, and you have to ride up to the... Yes, if, the, that game is missing the sequence where he jumps out of Halo and falls to Earth. In firing, firing guns the entire time. Firing guns the entire time. In uh, fact, he uses the 16,000 rounds of the assault rifle, like firing down into the earth to slow himself enough that he doesn't die. And like, using his rocket legs to direct him yeah, to the right Yeah, like he starts location. sliding like across skyscrapers as he's falling with his rocket yeah, legs. It, see? <laughs> see? This is the team that made Bay... I don't understand. Okay? I mean, it's not the team. They're a multi-studio team. This oh, isn't Kamiya. Kamiya went and is making... He made One for 101 and now he's making Bayonetta 2. Like, that's what that guy did. Okay. Well, wasn't Vanquish before Bayonetta or was it slightly after? I think it was... Uh, was Vanquish it was two, before. Vanquish was 2009 and then Bayonetta was 2010. Yeah. 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 And then the best part of the game is the credits. Yeah. The credits is a weird space shooter... Where you like asteroids come at you, but on the face on the asteroids are the faces of the developers, and you shoot them, and that's cute. That's that's maybe the most charming thing about that entire game. Totally. And then you feel really bad because you're like, oh, look at all these people that worked really hard on this. But they let you shoot them as if to apologize for having. <laughs> True, they did do that. Uh yeah. I wish I I wish I liked Vanquish, but it's not even a good shooter. And I know that I've stated time and again that I'm the guy who doesn't like shooters. And that's only true in that I'd rather not play a game where my interaction is guns. But, like, I've played good shooters and I've appreciated them. This is not that. No. This is a bad video game. It's just disappointing all around. And then you just think of all the things they they could have so easily done. Yeah. But at some point, 
someone said make Gears of War, and they were like, well, we don't have the money to do that. So they're like, well, just make like a third of Gears of War, and then they did, and then they shipped it. That is, that's, yes, yes, yes. Man, what a bummer of a game that is. Jesus, yeah. segment of 2013 which would probably be more impactful if we had 12 of these instead of three of these but i'm gonna i'm gonna feel accomplished (laughs) we finished the year jackson we did the year of luigi the year of luigi is a fiscal year not a calendar year but yes that that just makes me really hate luigi if he's gonna make his year you know luigi's all about the business he's all about the green yeah i mean we knew that known that since 1986 because Luigi, the, the green, the, yeah, Luigi. I know, yeah. I know, okay. I've played. <laughs> okay, all right, good. Glad to see you, yeah, good. Yeah. Okay. Also, I'm pretty sure that there is his, uh, one of his things in Smash Brothers is he does, like, business guns. Really? Yeah, I think that's his, like, taunt or one of his moves or something. He does one, yeah, because one of his things is just a big poke where he does, like, a one business gun and, like, jabs his finger out, and if it hits you, it's got super short range, but it does a ton of damage. <sighs> I've... I've I have not played a Smash Brothers game since the original one on the N64. I think he's got that move in the 64 one. I had never played as Luigi because what? Come on, I was no, 13. No, Luigi's the best. You shut up. No, I know, but I was 13, so I played as Link and Samus and Star Fox. As Fox McCloud, you bastard. <laughs> oh yeah, Star Fox McCloud. Fox McCloud. <laughs> Star Fox is the name of his organization, not him. Okay, I played as Zelda. Can't Metroid, Me- why can't Metroid crawl? That's I what pl- I have to say to you. I played as Zelda, Metroid, and Star Fox. <laughs> You're the worst. <laughs> You're the you know worst. Zelda. You remember that bit where Zelda takes off his hat? Uh, I mean, Zelda is in two of the three Smash Bros. games, so you know. I know it doesn't work as well as it could, but oh, I know. I knew what you meant, and it's the worst. Okay, as as it often is with me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is all going in, so I hope you're happy. Oh, okay. I'm sorry about that. I didn't mean for that to. <laughs> I was just, I was just joshing. I don't know. Was quality, high quality content. So we have questions. We have a question. We're gonna do one question. So the one question we have is from Mike Casamano, our podcast bro, uh, who asks, "What is more important?" A bunch of fun mechanics that don't relate to each other, or a tight system of boring mechanics. I think that the emphasis on fun and boring being the two, being a good and bad thing, is, you know, you mechanics. You want a tight system of mechanics that combine to make a point, right? And if that point is they are boring, or as in like you know stuff like I get this call every day and papers please as well that have extremely repetitive mechanics that are not fun in any way. Yeah, but that they... is a tight system of boring mechanics, but that game is amazing. Exactly. 
I don't think fun and boring are the two sides of the spectrum. No, the not at all. A game, I think a game has to be like mechanically satisfying in some way. Yes. It's why it's why I don't like MMO. I mean, but then then again, even MMOs have like your bar fills and it dings and you get the satisfaction of your thing dinging and you get new stuff. Yeah, like MMOs that, have... like like that's a mechanic that's satisfying. You click things and your bars go up. That's that's a fulfilling mechanic. All, my, all the good games that anyone's going to latch onto have those feedback loops. Yeah. Ones that last for hours and ones that last five minutes all have similar feedback loops like that. So I would say a tight system of a tight system of mechanics. Because tight to me implies that everything in the system of mechanics is integral and affects on the other things and isn't, yeah. you know, superfluous. And, I mean, I'm going to advocate as much as possible that your mechanics should be tied into your themes and they should all be consistent. Yep. But there's that's not, like, the case all the time. And I'm not going to hate a game because it doesn't do that for most part. Unless it is a game that is entirely about its theme and then it has, like, a weird... Well, it's about, yeah, it's about intent of what you want. It's, some... it's like Dear Esther, but then there's a dating sim mechanic. To be fair, so, I would totally play I, that. Yeah. Yes, would I? But it'd probably be the worst. <laughs> no, because the only person that would make that would be someone doing it as a joke, and then it would be the best. Yep. Okay, how about Dear Esther, but you have to collect all of the coffee cups. Oh, that's that sounds like someone would actually do. Like, someone would make Dear Esther and someone would go, we don't have much gameplay, we should put collectibles in here. Hey, I mean, I pick coffee cups because collecting coffee cups in Alan Wake is the dumbest, worst thing. It is. The game already gives you a collectible that you want to get, which are the pages. You don't need to add an extra one so you can have more of them. Oh, yes. No, that's exactly what it'd be like. Yeah, that's bad. Don't do that. Yeah. You know, your mechanics should support your theme. I don't think that's a weird thing to say. If they don't, it's not a deal breaker, but you should probably, like... I mean, it's a sign of sloppy game design, and I know that stuff like that, like decisions get made that are weird and don't make sense in the final product all the time. What games do you like that have mechanics that don't support their theme? Give me some examples. Oh man, that's so hard. I know. I would I like on some level I don't think Persona 4's theme and mechanics work together at all. But like compared to Persona 3, not at all. Oh true, that is true. But uh, I mean that's a great game. Uh, I mean they made a Persona fighting game, and I know that's super fan servicey, but those things don't go together. Oh no! The, the Persona fighting game is two games. It is a visual novel with some fighting games in it. Yep. How can we justify this? And they tried. Um. I don't know. It's so hard because, like, I don't have a catalog in my head of like these are how like a lot of the older games that I played before. This was the way I think about games. I don't. I don't have cataloged that way. Totally. And uh, when I think about a game that has a lot of mechanics, I think of games that don't really have a lot of theme, like. You know, Burnout Paradise is a game with lots of mechanics, but zero theme. The theme is you have to go fast. Well, sure. I guess. I think theme's a little more... uh... The theme is Atomic Striker, or DJ Atomica. DJ Uh, Atomica is the best theme. Yeah, sure. (laughs) I'm being sarcastic now. I know you're the worst. (laughs) Okay. I mean, you played The Novelist, right? That seems yes. like a game that's probably not cohesive in the way it should be. No, but it's also... I don't, I don't like it for that reason. Because it is trying to be extremely serious for its theme. And treat its theme 
really well. But the gameplay is in such a different stratosphere from what the uh, what, they, what it's trying to say. I mean, Tomlinson's alone is that too. Like, I think it's a neat little narrative. I think the platforming's okay, but those two things don't go together at all. But they're at least in different. They're different. They don't really connect in the same way as the novelist is. The novelist is a game about about this family and about their choices, and both ways, the contradicting way to do it, collide with each other in ways that make them worse rather than just not relating to each other. Hmm. I, uh, you know, the most thematically consistent game in video games is still Minotaur China Shop. What is Minotaur China Shop? You haven't seen? Okay. Minotaur China Shop is a Flash game. You can play it right now if you want. Uh, uh, from the name, I kind of... And you're a minotaur whose only dream is to run a china shop, but oh, this giant oh, this... top-heavy minotaur. Oh, this game! And the china is delicate. You are literally a bull and a bull man in a china shop. No, I'm I, no, I've yeah, no, I know okay. this one. Yeah, and then your goal is to carefully navigate the the china, not break it, so you can sell stuff to customers. But also, and so it's like a weird, like, uh, food like diner dash kind of management game. Yeah. But then if you break enough China, your bull just goes into rage mode, and then your goal is to collect enough insurance as possible, and so you just have to smash everything as fast as you can. And it is this weird dichotomy of so carefully like tiptoeing around all of this stuff that you want to do well at, but then when you have that moment where it just breaks and you turn into a rage monster, the catharsis of that release of energy is its own allure. Yeah. The two systems are kind of competing against each other, and I think it's really smart. Just Cause 2 is a game that is great, but it's weird, like, story narrative of you are a spy who is trying to, like, reconcile all this trouble in a third world nation, and I use that term knowing it's problematic, but I feel like the game does that uh, in this war-torn South American country. And the game is actually just a chaos simulator. Yep. That game does not is not cohesive, but is great fun. And almost deliberately sticks its nose up at its own what what the story is trying to do. Yeah, I just wish like I think the game would be better if the story was stupider. It's pretty stupid. Yeah, but they also like make you sit through cutscenes where people try to explain their justifications. True. <laughs> like, it's not Saints Row stupid, and I think Just Cause could use some Saints Row stupid. That, that, I can, many video games could. I mean, less than most people would probably think, because I actually think it's a really hard thing to do well, but that's one of them. And I think I think those guys could pull off that kind of stupid well. Sure. Gun Scorpion. Gun, Gun Scorpion, exactly. Gun Scorpion. So, that's our question. If you have questions, you can... Uh, we ask on for questions on Twitter, and we'll plug our Twitters at the end, but you can also... Send them in our ask box on Tumblr at uh, abnormalmapping.tumblr.com or we have an email address which is abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. These are all ways you can reach us. We give serious answers to even the dumbest questions as long as they're tangentially related to video games. I think that's going to be the rule. What uh, about The Hobbit? What if they're tangentially related to The Hobbit? The Hobbit video game? (laughs) Yeah, sure. If you've got questions about movies, ask them anyway. We might answer them, depending on how we feel that day. Depending on how good the rest of the podcast has been, how many video games we have played. Yeah, because 
uh, you know, we both watch a lot of movies and we have opinions about them. If you've got questions about literature, I'll take those. If you've got questions about ska, you can ask Jackson. <laughs> it's well, I can't really answer questions. My opinion is just it's good. It should come back. I mean, it never really went away. It's just gotten increasingly lamer. It should come back and be good again. That's not going to happen. Oh, come on. No. Sorry. 2014's over. Oh, no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> 2014 has not yet begun. Yeah, it's not a daylight saving year. <laughs> 2013 is nearly over. Over enough. And 2014 is upon us. Uh, I'm not really a New Year's resolution kind of guy, but I do have some things I want to accomplish about video games in 2014. I know you do do too, Jackson, so tell us what you're going to do in uh, the coming year. Next year is I'm um, going to play all the old games. I've decided... To, all of them? Um, not all of them, but I've made a list of some of them. I've got... I bought a PS2. I'm going to play... And I've get, I've got a Wii so I can get SNES games and stuff. From uh, Acro the Arabac to Zoop. To Zoop? Zoop. Zoop? Oh, yeah, it's a Super Nintendo game, I think. I think it's it's probably on some British PC because it seems super British. I don't know. It, it's called Zoop, so... Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's on but the that, ZX. I haven't played enough old games, essentially. I haven't played just touchstones that people reference and I, th- I think with video games uh it's, it's kind of this way with films as well but nowhere near to the extent people don't play things uh that aren't in the zeitgeist yeah there's a big pressure to always play the new stuff and that old stuff gets left behind as oh this is old and therefore not good <laughs> i i blame the flow of technology in video games because it's always about what's shinier and newer yeah, flow technology as well, but also, you know, capitalism and stuff has to be sold. Like, I think that that we could qu- quite easily repackage old games to make sure. them Sure, cool. but like, you know, compared There's... to movies, old movies are constantly being repackaged and resold. That's true, but only the biggest ones in the same way that HD remakes are. You know, one's ever going to... There are movies, like, at least three years yeah. ago that no one's but, ever heard of. But the, the quantity of movies that are, like, brought back... Like, the amount of movies that weren't out when DVDs came out that came out on DVD is so much more significant than games that can't run on current consoles that were made to run on current consoles or PC. Totally, totally. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, you're going to play all the old games, huh? All of them. Every single one. Like Tetris and Tetris 2. Like Hattress and Waltress? Yeah, like Battle Tetris. Okay. And and Bastris. Have you played Bastrist or Bastet or whatever it is? No, what's this? It's a Tetris. It's just Tetris, but it has an algorithm built in to always give you the worst piece. Oh, wow. <laughs> that sounds amazing. It's it's the worst game because you can't, you, you'll almost never get a Tetris beat because it is just, you will get the piece that will give you the least help. So all your Tetris tactics goes out the window because generally my Tetris tactics are about you build up to get one spare thing, and then you get a blue one, and then boom, yeah. four rows down. You, you you build up to the line, and then you get a Tetris. That's how the Tetris works. Yeah, and that doesn't work at all in this. You just have to just just go for it in the weird way. It's a, it's it's an odd game. It's good. You should play Bastet. All right. So what are your Maybe plans? I'll... What are your? My uh my my plan is also to play all the old games because I've been playing games for a long time, but. There are always more video games. It's true. Uh, I would like to play Doom at some point this year. That'll probably be a Game Club game. Doom is on my list too, so yes. 
Uh, I, uh, let's see, what other old games would I like to play? I don't know. Uh, I'd like to catch up on all the, the Shin Megami Tensei series for PS2. I own them all now, but that's which, a bunch which of ones have Which ones haven't you played? Any of them. Oh, shit, because uh, I also want to do um, Digital Devil Saga, so we should do those at some point. I have, I have one and two sitting on my desk. So do I. <laughs> those are ones I'm extremely hyped for. Okay, cool. So let I me mean, know. Yeah. I no, like Nocturne is supposedly a much better game than both those, but okay. I, I yeah, I, I had heard those are the best ones. Huh. They're uh, they're much more like a, a Final Fantasy style RPG kind of thing. Yeah. Because you have a set party, and each character like transforms into like a persona type beast. No, it's not a. It's a. You have this weird crew of people in this weird war world, and it's got this crazy story and stuff. Okay. In 2014, I want to play all the East games by uh, Nihon Falcon. It's their it's their uh, RPG series. There's like four great RPG, great I mean in like significance and impact RPG series. Is I guess five if you count Fire Emblem, Final okay. Fantasy, Dragon Quest, Fire Emblem, Shimagami Tensei, and then East. I will count that. And they're, like they're the ones with the most entries and the most like breadth. You know, I think that's right. I think I would say that, right? Totally. Yeah, and I want to play these ones. I I'm cheating because I've already played two out of the eight, three out of the eight, uh, and we're not into 2014 yet. But that just means it's that much more achievable of a goal. Much like the year of Luigi. Uh, it, but this isn't a, a fiscal year. It's actually just like a solstice to solstice <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> it's a pagan year. I don't know. <laughs> it's an Eve's year. Yeah. Ease is not a place, it's a city. Well, would you call like this a... would you call this New Year's Eve? Oh. Oh. <laughs> what? You're what? the worst. You're the what? worst. What? Podcast is over. What do I what did I do? I don't understand. I'm confused. So next month. Uh we don't really have a segment two yet. We're going to work on that. We are going to come up with ideas. Yeah, but, but like, that. it's not going to be, since we're not doing a game club, we don't feel like it's as important to announce ahead of time what we're going to do. So it's going to be a thing. It's Jackson and he, like, if it was me, I'd already have it planned out, but it's Jackson. So, yeah. Uh, instead, for game club, we're going to play uh, what I would consider to be one of the greatest games of all time. Uh, and, you know, most people probably would not argue. Uh, it's on all the lists. That hot jam. From 1993, I think. Uh, no, that can't be right. Yeah, it could 91. be. 91. 91. Uh, Legend it's... of Zelda, A Link to the Past. I say, you know why I say 93? I got Link to the Past for my 8th birthday in 1993. You got Link to the Past when I was born. Uh, October of uh, 1993. My parents gave me a present. It was Link to the Past. Uh, my parents were dicks because I didn't have a Super Nintendo, so I had this moment of being <laughs> the saddest person. And then they did the thing where they're like, go look in the closet. And in the closet was the giant Super Nintendo box. Uh, I don't know if your parents ever pulled this on you as a child. They did. But uh, not, if, not, if, not, not to that extent, but with toys. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's definitely a thing I would do if I had kids, because... It sounds so fun on paper, and then there's just tears, and then the parents feel bad. And Anyway, I've played that game a bunch of times, like a dozen of them, and you've never played it. Nope. And so, 
So it should be fun to see how that works out. But I bet it'll go better than Pokemon because Link to the Past is a better game than Pokemon. There's a large possibility that I will also just follow that up with Link Between Worlds. I mean, if you do, we can talk about Link Between Worlds because it's very interesting. It's a very good game as well. I would call it the third best Zelda. I bet because I'll, uh, as soon as I get back to my house where my computer is, I'll uh, play Link to the Past. And I'll probably have a week break and then play Link to the uh, Link Between Worlds. Yeah, and then you'll be like, oh, I know where everything is because it's the exact same overworld. Yep. <laughs> but the dungeons are way different. And so is the item progression, I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. If you play Link Between Worlds, we'll have a lot to say about because Link to the Past is kind of the... It's where the Zelda formula became the Zelda formula. And Link Between Worlds is the first time it's deviated from that since. <laughs> oh, okay. Really? <laughs> Yeah, I haven't deviated in twenty three years. Twenty two no, years. No, they've they've added cutscenes. That's literally the only difference. My God! <laughs> wow, that's that's some slow that's some slow development right there. Yeah. Well, you know, okay. you stick with what works, the Nintendo way. And then for twenty fourteen, <laughs> I would like to. Uh... <laughs> Jackson's laughing for reasons that nobody other than us will ever know. <laughs> it's true. Uh, I. In 2014, I'd like to post more on the actual Tumblr. That's a we, goal. Me too. I want to write some stuff, especially yeah, going through old my, games. My goal, my crazy goal is to write a paragraph about everything I play, at least, this year. That's a, that's a good up. goal. Like Just like kind of what the Game of the Year stuff is, but while I'm doing it, so then I don't have to do it at the end of the year. That's yeah. the secret of the goal, is just be able to link to all that stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, you know... There's also a goal to get this on iTunes, but who knows when that's going to happen. Happen eventually. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll have an audience, finally. Hooray! And, uh, yeah, more game stuff. I'd like to post... I, I know all the game music. I would post, I'll post YouTube stuff on here. You can listen to all the music. Mm-hmm. Um, in the meantime, there's always games to play. There's Goaty List to check out. My Goaty List is up. Jackson's is forthcoming shortly. It's true. You can uh, catch us on the internet uh, live streaming sometimes. Yeah. Uh, you can find information about that at Abnormal Mapping on uh, Twitter and Abnormal Mapping at Twitch TV. I don't actually know the URL for that. I think it's twitchtv.com slash Abnormal Slash Abnormal Mapping, yeah. Uh, and then you can find Jackson on Twitter at Tylier002. Yep. And you can find me at LitRock. And uh, I talk a lot about video games. He does, it's true. Uh, Chet Falasak followed me on Twitter. Is he still following you? Yeah, he hasn't stopped. Okay. I, ever since he did, I'm, I'm actually, I've been trying to step up my Twitter game and tweet more interesting things. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> because it intimidated me. <laughs> I bet, because I, I, the a good part of not having many followers is, uh, or at least followers that, just people, you know, that you just chat to randomly. You just don't give a shit on your Twitter account. Normally I don't, and I have I have people I respect greatly following me, but that's the one where when it happened, I'm like, wait, what? What? No. It's, it's a different kind of respect, because it's a respect that's like, oh, wait, I have to impress this person as well? Yeah, like, the people I respect are, like, people I've, like, communicated with on Twitter, like, yeah. you know, we've had conversations, they're, they're nice people. This is someone that's like, oh, he came out of the Valve bunker and followed me. 
It's like being touched by God. Uh, who knows? <laughs> I don't even. I don't even like Valve games that much. I'm just uh, oh being hyperbolic. Shots fired. Maybe I'll tag him in that. I mean, he wrote Portal Two. The guy's obviously bad at video games. <laughs> don't tag him in this. This is the worst. Chet, if you're listening, a thank you. B I'm sorry. And C I didn't mean what I said. You're probably a very nice man. Uh, I liked Portal 2's writing. I just wish you didn't have that second act with the paint. (laughs) 